Hear the word of our Lord from Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in the fourth verse. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Hear the word of our Lord again from Proverbs 18, verse 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome back to our Sex and Marriage mini-series. That probably won't stay a mini-series. I am sure that many people have many questions or objections or things they just want to hear from me. And the first thing that somebody asked me last week was, how do I get a wife? And you're talking about how great marriage is and how worth it marriage is compared to the soulless lifestyle presented to us by the world. And trust me, it is ugly and soulless. I don't know anybody out there that was an old man who says that it was worth it to not get married, have kids, do everything God designed and commanded us to do ever since creation when he said, be fruitful and multiply. I've never seen somebody who lived it up having all sorts of sex with all sorts of different people, doing everything degenerate under the sun. None of those people at 85 years old say, man, you know what? I'm really happy that I didn't have a stable life. I am so happy that I just met a bunch of people, had my heart broken over and over and over again. I've never seen that. Maybe there's some people that are pretending, but I digress. What do you do to obtain a spouse? For men, this is much harder than women. But on the flip side, for women, it's more difficult to find a man who is worth getting married. It's easy to say, all right, marry me, I look good, I'm pleasant to be around, and I'm not lazy, here's all the things that I want to do with my life. You're going to have a mile-long list of suitors. For women, they could just take their pick of the litter, but it's choosing the man who is going to be a rock-solid foundation for life that's going to be way more difficult for women than it is for men to simply get a wife and keep her. But that's a recording for another day. Today we are addressing the men saying, how do you get a wife? What are the steps you can take to get yourself a spouse? First off, let me admit that it is not as simple as it used to be. We don't have arranged marriage here in the West. We can't just go out, find a woman, and say, hey, would you like for me to enter into a sacred covenant with you? Somebody might opine, uh, actually, it's never been that way. It's never been super easy to tie the knot with anyone. And my response to that is actually, yeah, there have been points in history in which getting married and staying married was super stinking simple. It doesn't mean that it was perfect, but if you look at the book of Genesis, what does Hagar do for her son Ishmael? From Genesis chapter 21, 
Uh, we see here in verse 19, God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water, God preserving Hagar's life. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. In case anybody says, oh, well, that's just pagan Egyptians like Hagar's people. That's just how it was for them. Well, it's also for God's people, too. Here's from Genesis chapter 24. When Abraham sends his servant to go get a wife for his son Isaac from among his extended people, his kindred out east, he goes on this long adventure, and then he finally goes to Laban and Bethuel saying, listen, I was sent here to go get a wife for Abraham's son Isaac. And what's their response? In verse 50 of Genesis 24, Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. The servant literally just goes up and says, Hey, uh, I need to take a wife for Isaac, my master's son. We need a woman there for him to marry so they can stay with their own kindred rather than marrying some Canaanite. And Laban says, uh, okay, like, sure, if that's what God wants, like, no biggie. It really was that casual of a thing, really simple to go and have a wife. Now, again, that's no promise that all marriages were great back then. But the reality of real physical hardship meant that people were not going to be picky choosy about their spouses. There was no big daddy government out there to replace the role of father and husband, making a man's role in the family essentially superfluous to many women. And there was no cultural media complex telling women to put off marriage and wait for Mr. Perfect so that they could have a happy life forever. Back then, they had much more realistic expectations and much more realistic standards. You'll note that Rebecca does not interrupt Abraham's servant to go, hmm, does he got the three sixes? No, she just goes, up, okay, sure. Oh, and for those who'd never heard, the three sixes would be six feet tall, six-figure salary, and six-pack abs. And I'm sure some people with dirty minds can think of other sixes, but we're not going to go there. We like to keep it clean here at the VLP, even on a podcast series called Sex and Marriage. Anyway, I digress again. So we are not in that situation. It is much more difficult to get a spouse for a young man who wants to get married and live the normative Christian life. I understand that. But the passages that we read from Genesis do highlight something. Hagar could never have gotten a wife for her son Ishmael if God hadn't let her survive. If he didn't bring her to that well of water and save her life, they just would have died. And with Abraham's servant, even Laban and his relative noticed that this thing is from God. God is the one who provides a spouse. So the very first thing you need to do 
If you are a young man looking for a wife, you want to get married, you want that good blessing from God, the first thing I want you to do is get a piece of paper and I want you to write down everything you want in a spouse. Everything you want this future wife to be, you should be writing that down. Do you want her to share the same denomination as you? Heck, you want her to be a Christian, write that one down too. Do you have a certain way you hope for her to look? Do you have a certain cadence in the voice when you dream about dating some pretty girl that you remember that and you just you want that back in your life and you want to hear that every day? Do you want a woman who is a good singer? Or are you thinking of one of those hardy Midwestern women that knows how to throw a bale of hay into the back of a truck without breaking a sweat? What do you want? Once you have that list written down, make it your dream list. I want you to pray for that. You're not getting a wife unless God grants one to you. What looks like guys getting the good life with the good wife, with the good kids, everything, what looks like luck for them, dumb luck, is really God blessing them with that. He is the one who provides that. So, I want you to pray for this. Get God in your corner. He hears your prayers. He cares about you. It is not shameful nor selfish to say, Dear God, this is what I want. Please give me a wife. Please give me a girl that's going to be X, Y, and Z things I've written down here. You might feel silly praying for this. You might even feel a bit selfish, like who am I to ask the creator of the entire universe for a woman that has the laundry list of characteristics that I want? But if Gideon, the judge in Israel from the book of Judges, if he can ask God, um, I'd like a sign and I'd like the fleece to be wet, but the ground to not be wet. And then like the next day, God, could you like make the ground wet, but the fleece dry? Like, thanks God. If Gideon can ask for something that we hear is so silly, so ridiculous, but God grants it, then when you pray for something that sounds silly in your own ears, why not just ask for it? God cares about you. He loves you. Bank on that and say, I'm going to ask that from my God. Dear God, please grant me this wonderful woman that I'm not even sure she exists, but I pray that I will have a wife. And if she doesn't fulfill all of these little boxes, I pray that we'll get to the point over the course of marriage where she gets close to that. And please help me to be thankful throughout it. So that's your first step. Pray, 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 pray. Trust in God caring for you and relax knowing that God will take care of you one way or another. You are his baptized child. Pray it often. Pray it all the time. Stay in that prayer. Pray for it every day, for crying out loud, if you gotta. And if you change your mind on something you put down on that list, that's okay. Change your mind and pray accordingly, saying... Dear God, I know I prayed for a red head, but now I realize that that's silly, so I pray that whatever her hair color is, that I'll be able to appreciate that. Please help me to trust in you for getting a woman. Amen. You can do that. Rely on God first. After that, 
I want you to look again at Proverbs 18, verse 22. We see this. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. There is an active component with this. Just as we are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord, that it does not require our works, we are still expected to do good works, to have an active faith, an active life in our Lord. Now, some people might hear this and they go, oh, this is a tension here. You're going to tell me that I need to do stuff to go out and get a wife, but you just told me, pastor, that I need to rely on God for this. I shouldn't have to do anything. I should be able to go about my life and expect a wonderful woman to knock at the door and then we can plan the wedding a week later. That's not how our sanctification works. That's not how so many of our blessings work. God expects you to do stuff. And he's going to bless you if you say, well, I'm saved freely. And now I want to do stuff because that's what God says for me to do. Now that I'm saved, that's what I want. Okay, I'm going to serve. Whenever God gives something by grace to us, we are expected to turn around then and do stuff with that. Or if he says that something happening would be from grace, we're still expected to do something with that anticipation. God gives us our daily bread, and so we go to the grocery store and we cook our food. Or we go to the field where we are growing our food. It's not rocket science. But if anybody says, I shouldn't have to do this, I'm going to ask you, frankly, do you want it or not? Because if you don't want to do anything because you shouldn't have to to receive that, with that kind of attitude, it kind of tells me you're more comfortable being alone. You should ask yourself whether you really do want a spouse and the married life. But for those who do, for those who are willing, let's talk about the next part. The Bible has standards for husbands. Women have standards for what they want in a husband. Sometimes these two agree. So after you've written up your list of what you want in a wife, and after beginning to pray for this, the next thing to do is start preparing yourself to be a good husband. After all, if we look at 1 Timothy 5.8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You should have a job. You should be able to provide for a spouse. From Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. You should, while getting prepared to be a husband, you should have an external focus. You should learn to care about other people for their own sake, and as far as it touches on yourself, get closer to God. 
be going to church, be in the word, go to Bible studies. If you're looking at being a husband, you are looking at being a high priest of your family. It's your job as a husband to make sure everybody is spiritually fed. So the first thing in preparing to be a husband is, well, getting right with God and having a character that actually works in a marriage context. Before you even go on a date with a girl, it's good to start squaring this away. But now there are standards that women are going to hold. They want a man who can talk to women, at least them. At least that one woman, right? <laughs> Maybe not the others. They could get jealous. So you should know how to talk to girls. You should be going to where women are. Go to your Starbucks. Go to a yoga class. Go to a hiking group. Whatever it is, go where women are and just spark up conversations. At first, if you're an awkward guy and you don't have the gift of gab, as it were, you know, you're going to have some troubles learning how to flirt, learning how to pick up various subtle cues from women. That's okay. Chances are you're going to get rejected the first few times or even the first few dozen times that you ask a girl out. That's not a bad thing. All she's doing is telling you no. You let it roll off your back like water off of a duck's feathers and you call it good. Like, eh, all right, her loss. No big deal. Don't bother her again. Easy. There are plenty of women out there, many of whom are looking for a husband, and this one isn't. All right, well... She's not a good candidate anyway, because she told you no. Maybe later on she'll come around, but who knows? Anyway, girls are going to want a guy that can talk. They want a guy that's on his feet, has his job, has his own place. They also like men to smell nice and have a home by themselves, preferably, maybe with a cat or a dog or something. And it should not be a mess. I know, I know, you've all heard Jordan Peterson say, Clean your room, bucko! Well, Jordan Peterson isn't saying the same thing I'm saying. Jordan Peterson is saying you're going to have this great, healthy state of mind if only you clean your room because the external and the internal are linked. Well, that's whatever. I'm here to tell you that if a woman has marriage on the mind, she doesn't want to be picking up after a slob. She's not going to care how good your cooking is if you got your dirty skivvies on the floor. Clean up. Make sure you, as well, that you smell nice, that you have bathed regularly. It's that easy. But while she wants you to be dressed appropriately, and she wants a man that doesn't stink, and he doesn't live in a pigsty, she still wants you to be masculine. Women, get this, are attracted to men. They are not attracted to men who act like women. If they say that, I'm going to go ahead and just call BS on that. They want a guy that's physically fit, that exercises regularly, that is willing and able to fight for her. Because again, if marriage is on the horizon, she's got to trust herself with a man for all of her needs. This means she wants a man that can fix stuff, carry stuff, do stuff, plan stuff, have leadership, and a man that knows when to be gentle and when to be rough around the edges. They want a man, not a female presenting man. So we've got pray to God and rely on him for a fruitful endeavor here to get a good wife. Good. You've prepared yourself to be a husband. 
you are getting right with God. You're trying to clean up your act, trying to be a good man rather than a bad man. You are actively taking part in your sanctification. Good. And then you're trying to actually be a good candidate to be a husband. All right. Then it's time to actually look at getting some dates. And I mentioned it earlier, going to places where women go. No, you're not going to find wife material at a bar. Don't go where women of ill repute would go. And for your own sake, don't do online dating. Please do not do online dating. Don't go to Tinder or Plenty of Fish or any of these other garbage websites that tell women they can spend all their time window shopping for a fun fling and then go home back to their normal life. The internet is not real life. You're not going to have a good time with that. I have never met a man who successfully used an online dating service and got himself a wife from that. Not once in my life have I ever seen that. Instead, if you go to where a real-life group of women are and you hang out with them, you learn to be more sociable, well, you're going to have better chances because it's not window shopping. The mental shift from real life to online of, haha, this is fun and zero commitment, that's not there when you're actually in the same room. Now, you should go to places where you get something out of it. What do I mean by this? If you go to a Pilates class or a spin class where women are and there's a chance to talk to them and learn how to talk to women, if you get, like, no dates after three months of hanging out with them, you can still say you got good exercise in. You can still say to yourself, hey, I learned how to do yoga. Or when you go to some ballroom dancing class or square dancing class where there's lots of women, you can say, hey, I learned how to dance. If I do get a girlfriend in the near future, I can take her out dancing, and that's another point in my favor. Golly, while trying to get a woman, I made myself more attractive as a man. Awesome. You got to take a long view. This could take a couple of years to get a good girl, to get yourself a wife. But it should be worth it for its own sake, this process of being an active man. Now, should you do all of this alone? Absolutely not. We should be relying on God first, then working on ourselves, getting ourselves out there, and then start casting a wide net. Get a network of people. If you have a pastor, then ask that man for some help. Say, hey, I want a wife. I don't have the gift of celibacy here. Help me out here. Do we have some people that maybe could set me up and play matchmaker a bit? Get your friends. Does one of them have a single cousin or something that they're willing to say, hey, you'd like my friend. He's a perfect guy. You guys should date. Can you cast that wide net and get that network going? And if you're practicing talking to girls and you want to talk to a specific girl, do you have a good buddy that's willing to be your wingman? If not, that doesn't mean the end of the world, but it's good to try to get this to be a community effort. And then you too can help other single young men get wives themselves. 
casting a wide net, getting the community involved, getting your people, your family, your friends involved in helping you out is going to make it a lot faster. At the very least, they can introduce you to somebody they know or go with you in a public social setting, help you out with some confidence, help you talk to girls. All right, easy. We rely on God first. We work on ourselves while also starting to seek a girl. And then we also make it a community effort. So you're not going at this entirely alone. But a warning. There are plenty of pickup artists out there. There are plenty of dudes who will tell you about game. Does game work? Yes and no. The question is, who does game work on? If you learn about the neg, if you learn about dread game, if you learn about frame, all these things can be useful, I guess, in getting to know a girl. But bear in mind that these pickup artists want you to be single. They make their money hawking advice. They make their money peddling a worldly kind of wisdom. So it is not in their financial interests for you to get married. They'll tell you to focus on yourself. They'll tell you that that woman, she's just a piece of meat. I'm going to teach you how to bang with her. And then you just got to dump her after that. They don't want you living a stable life. They'll tell you marriage is a con, a scam. You're going to get divorced. It's going to be the end of the world. Don't do that. Read my blog instead. Give me ad clicks. Buy my book. That's what you ought to do, etc. and so forth. These are people with ulterior motives to make a ton of money. It turns out, for a lot of men out there who are addicted to the pickup artist type stuff, well, they're suckers. It's ironic, because here they are, they're learning how to sucker a woman into bed so he can masturbate into her vagina once or twice or maybe three times before calling it off, calling it quits with her. You think that you're doing that and you're learning that, well, these guys are seducing you in a way to get you on their reservation, to get you to be their personal pay piggy. I kind of respect that Andrew Tate has been honest about this for a long time. The man made a lot of money running quote-unquote cam sites where women would just get naked in front of a camera. And he said, yeah, there's a lot of guys out there that are lonely suckers and I exist to take their money. But you shouldn't trust everything Andrew Tate says because of that, because he's already told you honestly he's willing to manipulate other men to get what he wants out of them. And they don't want you getting married because if you're married... Well, they're not marriage counselors. They're pickup artists. They want you poor, miserable, and alone all of your life, chasing tail until you're old and very, very alone. Not exactly a good life to live. So instead of living their lifestyle, it's okay to say, all right, I can learn a little bit of game and frame. Frame is really just honest self-respect or dignity anyway. All right, I can use that a little bit as openers, but I got to be careful. If you fornicate with a woman, you are contributing to her having less of an ability to pair bond. You are contributing to your own marriage's decline and destruction. 
if you get married with this girl. She's not going to respect you as a leader. You had no self-discipline. You're going to shoot yourself in the foot with your fornication. Do not do that. And if a woman leaves you because you're not taking her to bed, wipe the sweat off your brow and go, whew, dodged a bullet. Because you don't want to be married to a woman who's going to leave you for being, quote-unquote, sexually unsatisfied. Keep it in your pants. Wait until marriage. Do things that the pickup artists are going to call you a fool for when it comes to waiting for marriage, getting married, and maintaining that marriage. Now, with that, I mentioned pair bonding. There are people that are going to tell me, how do I find a good girl? How do I deal with that? There's a lot of hang-ups. We're going to talk about that next week. We will get into that. But for now, the track of getting yourself married means praying to God, relying on him, getting right with God, and preparing yourself to be a good husband. Then you go out there and you meet women. You talk to women. You put yourself in places where you have that opportunity, but you also have benefits from just being in those places so you can say that you didn't waste your time. You cast a wide net. You get it into being a community effort. And then, once you start dating a girl, because that'll happen eventually for 99% of the people that actually follow this track, then make it clear, I don't want a long courtship. And I don't want a long engagement. I'm not doing dating. I'm doing courtship here. I got marriage on the mind. Be honest with this girl about that. Don't string her along. You say, listen... I'm more than happy to date you for six months as a courtship, and then we can decide whether or not we want to get engaged, and then set a date, six months or less, to get married. It really is something you should do, because otherwise, if you guys move in together, which you shouldn't, you're asking yourself to get, uh, well, left at some point. People who cohabitate before marriage have Awful levels of divorce, terrible divorce rates. The statistics have borne that out. So don't live with this girl. Don't make it all about convenience. Don't let yourself get comfortable. Say, I want to get married someday. And right now, this six months courtship is us deciding whether we can do that. And then you talk with that girl every day. You're texting back and forth with her. You're making yourself accountable to your church and your family and your friends and her family and definitely her friends because they know her better than you do. They can tell you whether or not something is right or wrong. And all these people can help you not shoot yourself in the foot by sleeping with the girl before marriage. And after six months, if you guys decide to get engaged, have a very short engagement, get the premarital counseling done, get it done through the church, and you should be there. Could take a few years, could take 10 years. But if you're actually going out and trying this, you're going to be so much better for it, guys. Anyway, next week, like I said, we are going to talk about hang-ups in courtship, dating, and marriage. We're going to talk about it seriously. It's going to be some hardcore real talk there. But we'll get to that next week. In the meantime, if anybody has any questions about this, shoot me an email at very underscore Lutheran at tutanota.com and we'll strike up a conversation and maybe there's something I can do to help.
Amen and Amen.